This is WRAL News at 7 with special coverage of coronavirus. Facts, not fear. New measures are coming meant to keep you safe while shopping. And a message for anyone celebrating as we reach the peak of Holy Week. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Deborah Morgan. And I'm Gerald Owens. Here is where we stand right now in our state. Infections have doubled and the number of deaths quadrupled over the past week. There are more than 3,200 confirmed cases of coronavirus in North Carolina. So far, 54 people have died. 354 people are hospitalized. And that's a number we have also seen jump over the past 24 hours. The number of confirmed recoveries at this time sits at 150. Now, this number we do expect to fluctuate. It is not an accurate representation of recoveries in the entire state because not all counties are reporting these numbers. We are also providing you a county-by-county county breakdown. In central North Carolina, Wake County reported just seven new cases. It still has the highest number in our area, 351. Durham has 219, Orange County 73. You can find the full breakdown by county in our coverage on WRAL.com. Also on our website, we continue to track the cases at North Carolina nursing homes. You can see them mapped out right here. The most recent one in Franklin County today, where a resident at the Lewisburg Nursing Center tested positive. We also learned of a case at a facility in Columbus County that is new today. Those receiving unemployment checks will receive an additional $600 a week benefit starting next week. This is the federal government portion of the funding. This boost will also be retroactive. As of today, state leaders say 110,000 claims have been paid out so far, totaling more than $28 million. Leaders say they continue to staff a call center to help expedite the claims. Some other local and regional headlines today. Governor Roy Cooper plans to issue another executive order. This one meant to better enforce the guidelines for grocery stores and other retailers. A worker at the Lowe's Garner tested positive for coronavirus. We're told that person last worked at the store on April 2nd. The store remains opened and it has been cleaned. The worker is receiving care and those who worked with them are on paid leave. And voters in Raleigh won't see the Dix Park referendum on the ballot this fall. WRO's Mark Boyle is in the live center monitoring the updates coming now from the White House coronavirus briefing, which is still going on. Mark. General, we are monitoring the live pictures coming in from the White House right now from the president's COVID-19 task force. One of the big highlights and big headlines coming out of the press conference today from the president was his comments and the questions that he was answering about funding for the World Health Organization. He's now questioning the World Health Organization's handling of the pandemic and when it was all starting. Take a listen to what he had to say a short time ago. We're going to look at it. You did say that. We give a tremendous... No, I didn't. I said, we're going to look at it. We're going to investigate it. We're going to look at it. But we will look at ending funding. Yeah. Because you know what? They called it wrong. And if you look back over the years, even, they're very much... Uh, everything seems to be very biased toward China. That's not right. I sent an email to the World Health Organization waiting for a response back if there's a statement from that organization about the president's comments here this evening. We'll monitor this press conference happening from the White House if there are any major developments during the 7 o'clock newscast. We'll bring them to you right here in the Live Center. All right, Mark, thank you. Tonight we have a better look at where our local hospitals stand when it comes to helping people with coronavirus. Dr. Chris DiRienzo is Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer at Wake Med. He took some time out of his busy schedule to join us today by way of Zoom. Dr. DiRienzo, we appreciate you being with us. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Today the governor said that we're doing well when it comes to giving hospitals space. What is the situation at Wake Med right now? 
I can tell you that statewide hospitals are working hard to find ways to expand capacity. Uh, we know that there are areas within our, our buildings that we use for clinical care, but aren't necessarily a hospital bed today. And so statewide hospitals are looking at on the order of a 25 to 30% increase in capacity just by converting those kinds of spaces uh, to areas that can help care for uh, patients who are, are now within our walls, either with COVID or, or for other reasons. What about your supplies? N95 masks, gloves, other PPE are certainly in demand. What is the situation there now? And do you feel confident your team has the protection they need? Uh, I would be surprised if any system around the country feels confident about knowing what they have for the, the weeks and months to come. When we look around the nation, we see the kinds of, of truly desperate circumstances that places like New York are in. I think there's, there's certainly fear that that may be a future that we face here in North Carolina. From a PPE perspective, we know that we have what we need based on current guidelines for today. We know we have what we need for tomorrow. And we know that we're working aggressively as hard as we can uh, with folks around the country uh, and internationally uh, to make sure that we will have what we need uh, when the, the waves uh, finally reach our shores. And Dr. DiRienzo, speaking of supplies, we hear a lot from people in the community who want to help out, usually by donating supplies. Are you seeing that at WakeMed and are you able to use what's coming from the community? Absolutely. Uh, I'm fairly new to the triangle and the outpouring of support for our team here at WakeMed has been heartwarming and truly incredible. Uh, everything from a local distillery stepping up to help support us with hand sanitizer uh, to donations of clinical equipment uh, to donations of food and homemade equipment. Uh, we have a, a process that our, our team has set up uh, a number of weeks back to bring in those donations and we are putting them to work uh, all day, every day. Our, our community really cares about our, our people and, and our people really care about our community. That's for sure. I will brag. We have the best, most generous people in the entire oh, yeah. country. We are glad you're experiencing that. Dr. DiRienzo, have you heard of any concerns from your colleagues at other area hospitals? I can tell you that this is definitely a time where we all come together as a community. We've worked very, very closely with other health systems in the triangle on all kinds of things relative to personal protective equipment, relative to capacity planning, relative to transfer protocols. We know that uh, we are blessed here in the triangle to have three uh, large health systems, and we want to make sure that we are pulling on each other's resources so that we serve the triangle community as a whole and that we're ready for uh, whatever COVID-19 has in store for us. All right, Dr. DiRienzo, last question. I know doctors tend to look at themselves last. How are you and your colleagues doing in terms of the morale around the hospital? I really appreciate that question. Uh, and again, not a day goes by where someone doesn't send me an email saying, you know, I, I work in this department or I work uh, in this practice in the community. And I want you to know that when the time comes, I'm ready to volunteer and step up. And I think it's that kind of service mentality that, that permeates the team here at WakeMed, that permeates uh, the community, and that kind of pulling together and working as a team, uh, I've found, as I'm sure you have, that no matter what challenges face you, uh, that can really help help drive a team forward. Uh, so I, I've just been totally blown away by, by what I've seen throughout our medical community, as well as, as everyone who works on the team here at WakeMed. You just gave me goosebumps. Dr. Chris DiRienzo, Senior Vice President of WakeMed, thank you so much for joining us and certainly for your service to our community. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. All right. Researchers are already looking at ways to limit the spread of a pandemic similar to COVID-19 in the future. Mitigating measures like social distancing remain in effect in North Carolina and most other states. Researchers at Duke are part of a study suggesting a more focused approach moving forward. They believe a national surveillance system would help limit the spread of a pandemic. 
It would require setting up a system with an infrastructure to test and trace a virus. Surveillance that will help track a public health crisis in real time. Also testing that could determine if someone was exposed to a particular virus and the capacity for a rapid response to a troubling virus like COVID-19. Researchers say collectively these measures could limit and suppress future outbreaks. That's why surveillance and, and uh, case identification and testing and contact tracing is a really critical part of this next phase. And that's something I think the state is starting to really work to develop. Dr. McClellan and his fellow researchers say a national surveillance system should be a coordinated effort between the CDC and state and local public health experts. It's no secret this is a trying holy week. No neighborhood egg hunts or community dinners like we're used to. In his update today, Governor Cooper acknowledged this season would be drastically different. Even though we won't be together in the pews or at each other's homes, we are together in spirit. Social distancing means that we can't hold our loved ones close, but now is the time to hold tight to our faith. No matter where we are or how difficult the path, I know that faith and hope can sustain us through even these hard times. The governor stressed the importance of maintaining social distancing guidelines and not putting our loved ones at risk by keeping certain traditions in place. The Most Reverend Michael Curry is the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church. He's no stranger to this area, served as bishop of the Diocese of North Carolina for 16 years, and became an even more well-known religious leader on the international stage when he delivered the homily at the royal wedding for Prince Harry and Meghan Markle two years ago. He took some time to speak with us earlier today about navigating the waters during this pandemic and shared an important reminder for all of us during this Holy Week. It's Tuesday and Holy Week. And you know, it may well be that this being Holy Week and Easter coming and Passover coming, um, and then at the end of April, Ramadan coming, it may well be that having to live through COVID-19 in a time when some of the holiest days of, of, of religious year are happening may be a reminder that God hasn't forgotten us God hasn't left us alone, and together with God and each other, we are going to make it through. You know, Bishop, this morning I woke up and I realized no matter when the end date of this is, and we don't know, we are one day closer. And it reminded me in both the Old and New Testament, there are these reminders all along in the words of, even so, nonetheless, where we are still held even though we don't feel it at times. These holy days um, are holy days because they take human suffering seriously. They were born in the crucible of hard times and suffering, both Passover um, and Holy Week and Easter. And so I think that's a reminder that the God that we serve and believe in is a God who is always in the midst of life and in the midst of suffering and hardship. And that together with our God, we can walk through this. Up next, Bishop Curry's message for how he recommends approaching each day. We'll also be joined by two other well-respected faith leaders in our community, Rabbi Eric Solomon and Imam Abdullah and Tepley, to discuss what it is that binds us all during trying times. 
You're watching WRAO News at 7 with special coverage of the coronavirus. Facts, not fear. This is WRAL News special coverage. Facts, not fear. And I believe these holy days of Passover and um, of Holy Week Easter and of Ramadan to come later in the month of April are reminders that together with God and each other, we can make it. Presiding Bishop Michael Curry of the Episcopal Church, one of three well-known religious leaders dealing with something new this Holy Week and this holy season. We'll hear more of my conversation with him in a moment. First, I'm honored to bring in Rabbi Eric Solomon of Raleigh and Imam Abdullah and Tepli of Durham. Thanks to both of you for talking with us. Uh, Rabbi, Passover tomorrow. No way you could have ever foreseen this. Your people are hurting. They can't be together outside of their own families. What are you hearing from your congregants? Yes, undoubtedly, David. I want to thank you so much for having for having all of us on. Um, this is a very challenging time. Passover is a time of family and of friends, of enjoying traditional foods and, and telling our story, our story of liberation from slavery to freedom. And, you know, people in social isolation, uh, in fear, even sadly, some congregants who have COVID-19, it's a time of, uh, of great, great concern, anxiety, you know, a real spiritual yearning. Um, so the holiday is is coming at a difficult time. At the same time, we are doing everything we can to uh, give its message of hope um, and uplift, chance to reach out, reach up. Uh, it's a, it's also, uh, Rabbi, a time of great introspection. I know you, you posted recently uh, a, a conversation about the blood on the doorpost and the looking inward of the blood and not to protect from the outside. Exactly. It's a, it's a great question by the rabbis, rabbis of old. <clears throat> Where is the blood in the doorposts? And one commentary says it's on the inside of the doors <clears throat> for the Hebrews to have hope and uh, to look to that blood and say, you know, it's possible that God has not forsaken us and that we eventually will be free. Uh, Imam Antepli, Ramadan in, uh, begins later this month. Uh, yes. You and your friends are preparing for this. Families are preparing for this. It's a time of great introspection and celebration. What type of stress is the Muslim community under in dealing with what we're dealing with now? Nowhere in any faith's clergy training, uh, I think we were prepared for this, running the entire show online and exercising social distance. I am incredibly proud of my community, how they are rising to the moment and using this, Ramadan is a time of community, that's when we connect with much larger community and beyond the Muslim community who are in need. It's a time of charity. It's an act of grace and mercy. But we will have to all of, do all of this because people's life through this coronavirus supersede anything and everything. And I'm so proud the Muslim community is doing everything that they can to exercise social distance by introducing really great teachings. Uh, one aspect of this teaching is Torah, gospel and Quran was revealed to those great prophets in social isolation. Yes, we love our community. Yes, these are the times we want to connect with fellow Jews, Christians, and Muslims. I think this is as, as much of a crisis as it is. It's an opportunity to use that essence of starting those internal journeys within our smaller circles and try to feel the presence of God and be transformed by it 
in this social isolation situation? Well, it's certainly a trying time. It's hard for people of even the strongest faith at times to find peace. So how do you stay positive, much less committed to your faith now? I posed that question to Bishop Curry this morning. Here's what he had to say. There's an old song that says, one day at a time, sweet Jesus, one day at a time, just one day at a time. Um, a folk in recovery know you take one day at a time. Uh, you don't try to take the whole thing because the whole thing is too big. You take that one day, one moment at a time and live fully into that. Um, life is sometimes hard. Um, life for many is hard a lot. Um, and for all of us, it's, it's hard at this moment to one degree or another. Um, and, and the truth is, you know, this may sound um, religious, and it is, um, I really believe that we were made for God and for each other. And we are at our best when we are in a loving relationship with God and with each other. And what that means is this is a time for us to take care of each other to walk together. There may be days when I am weak and you are strong, I need your strength. There are days when you'll be weak and I am strong and you'll need my strength. There will be days when we are both weak but we are stronger together and we are stronger together with our God. And I just believe that if we navigate this that way, um, we will begin to find our way. You know, Imam and Rabbi, all three of us have friends in Jerusalem tonight, in the Holy Land, a country that is under lockdown. Rabbi, first to you, to your friends in Israel, what do they share with you and what are they telling you? Well, on the one hand, this is a remembrance of the original Passover when people were locked in their homes waiting that night. So there's an opportunity on a certain level to, rem to feel what our people's history was like on that uh, fateful night thousands of years ago in our exodus. But more than that, uh, my, my friends tell me that this is a time for where, where we have to, as, as said by my, my colleagues, we have to reach out that, you know, love your neighbor as yourself is uh, just a verse. And this is where it comes into practice. This is when we're tested. And this is an opportunity for God to help us to truly love each other by saving one another, doing selfless acts, doing social distance, doing what we can to, to preserve each other's lives, which is the most important teaching in all the world's religions. So my friends are telling me, you know, we can do it. You can do it too. Do it for each other and do it with God's help. And Abdullah, I'd like to ask you, when I've accompanied you to the mosque and I've seen hundreds of Muslims praying, it is in unison. It is shoulder to shoulder. It is the forehead to the floor. That no longer can be. So to your friends here and in Israel, what do you hear and what are they telling you about praying in social distance? The very same God who heard Jonah's prayers from the belly of the fish in the bottom of the ocean, the very God who heard Job's prayer uh, from, the, from the cave or Moses' prayer from the mountain can hear us. God is not limited to any format, any structure, any particular form or shape. So we believe God is transcendent and will hear our prayers. And when we, when we exercise our do prayers slightly differently, and we shall overcome these difficult moments. One of the pictures came out of the Holy Land, if uh, you haven't seen or anybody haven't seen it, at two EMT, one Jewish and one Muslim. They are serving common humanity, working for the same ambulance, 
And when they have a break, they wrap themselves up into their ritual practices and uh, and then they pray their own way to the same God in their unique and distinct language. That picture coming of the Holy Land is exactly what humanity, Jews, Muslims, and others should aspire to be, aspire to pray for, aspire to pray like. On that note, I'm going to have to stop, but I thank you for that. Rabbi Solomon with Beth Meyer Synagogue here in Raleigh, Imam Abdullah and Tepley in Durham. Thanks to both of you for your time and commitment to humanity. Your work is very thank important. Thank you. We'll be right Thank back. Thank you. This is WRAL News special coverage. Facts, not fear. Bishop Curry, one last thing, and we'll let you go. Uh, those of us who know you know that you are a people person. You love mm. people. You love to hug people. You love to touch people. You love to shake hands with people. You serve communion yeah. to people. You place your hand in another's hand. How have you dealt personally with the fact that outside your family, there's not another soul you can touch physically? Sometimes, as Good Friday reminds us, as Passover reminds us, real love requires sacrifice. God so loved the world that he gave, he didn't take. And it may be that in these moments and this time, for people like me, real love is shown by refraining from a handshake, refraining from a hug, refraining from that pat on the back, refraining from being less than six feet away, that that's real love. Real love is selfless. Three different backgrounds, three belief systems, one message. Very important. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Have a great night, everybody.